Hello and welcome to the In The Pen Podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. This is a podcast about relievers. I'm sick, and I'm also Jake Crumpler, and I'm joined, as always, by Rick Graham. Rick, how you doing? How you feeling about Thanksgiving coming up in a couple days? Um, doing well. Definitely excited for um, Thanksgiving. Uh, the, you know, definitely a great, great food holiday. Um, really? looking forward to yeah you know yeah <laughs> i i think that's uh i think that's something that's not a universal feeling across every family is that is are you being i don't know if you're being sarcastic with me or no, not, right I'm now. Being no really really yes, uh well my family is jewish so oh, my, true, we always true, go true, to true. my grandma's house so not only is it a kosher meal right you can't have anything containing dairy because we're having a freaking turkey but then mm. also like I don't know. I'm lactose intolerant, so it, it wouldn't really work for me anyway that way. My sister's gluten-free, so then we can't have anything with gluten. And then my uncle is dealing with IBS, and he can't eat anything. So it's just everything's off the table. And, you know, if my grandma was a good cook, that might make the the biggest difference. But I wouldn't say she's a, she's a great cook. So it's just like, you know, dry turkey, vegetables uh, yeah. you don't want to eat. It, it's It's my least favorite. It's one of my least favorite holidays. Yeah, see, my brother-in-law happens to be like a professional chef, so it, it works wow. out pretty well for yeah for us. Um, so yeah, we we always have some uh, some good food for for the Thanksgiving holiday. Well, just know that you're super lucky to have that. Yeah, uh, sure. Well, well, today we'll be talking about relievers. As always, we're in the middle of the off season right now, November, uh, pretty early in the off season. I wouldn't say uh, middle, but. We got, we got stuff to discuss. We got transactions to go over and we'll actually be providing the listeners with a free agency preview and primer. Uh, we've already had one name off the board, but there's still plenty of relievers to discuss before they get signed hypothetically this offseason. Uh, we will get into that. But like I said, we'll start off with the notable transactions since the 3rd of November. We haven't recorded in a couple of weeks since, since Arizona. We were, yeah, since we were in person. Um, so we are making up for that by covering all of the transactions. Uh, we'll start it off with the options and there were a lot of them. So we'll, we'll keep it to the notable ones. Uh, we'll start off with November 4th. We saw Joely Rodriguez have his club option declined. Hector Neris declined his player option. Alex Reyes had his club option declined. Yarlene Garcia had his club option declined. And Jose Leclerc had his club option exercised. I think we have two notable ones here in Hector Neris and Jose Leclerc. Neris, I think, should be able to net himself a multi-year deal. But do you think this is a guy that could end up being a closer somewhere? Yeah, I mean, he sure, he certainly could. Uh, the skills from last year didn't uh, dissipate at all. I, I think the concern for him being a closer somewhere is just the the opportunity right now. And a lot of teams are... You know, pretty much set at, at the closer. At least a lot of the contenders are kind of set in that closer role. But um, you, you know, it depends. You know, I, I've seen the Cubs been thrown around as a potential. You know, going at making a splash in the reliever market. So maybe they would. I don't know if Naris would take over for Alzali there, but you know, th- there there could be some openings for him depending on uh where he lands and kind of you know what is he what is his biggest factor at this is he is he trying to you know win another win a world series is he trying to you know get the biggest payday is he trying to be a closer somewhere so that all kind of depends on those things uh what his role will be next year yeah definitely and then uh for Leclerc, he remains in 
Texas after they won the World Series, and he will have a little bit of competition internally, and I think we both expect the Rangers to add to that bullpen, but do you think LeClerc has the greatest chances at being the closer opening day as the roster currently stands? As of right now, yeah, with the roster, I I think he has to be the opening day option um, based on how he finished the year. But yeah, there's been a lot of, obviously, there's been a lot of smoke with Josh Hader's name being thrown around as a potential target there. Um, But outside of, you know, like outside of Hader, I I think LeClerc or a trade, I think LeClerc's pretty safe as returning as the closer. Uh, It would have to be, it would have to be like a move for Hader or a, a big splash in the trade market. Yeah. And then on November 5th, we saw Mark Melanson had his mutual option declined by the team. Same with Brad Hand. Joe Kelly had his club option declined. Daniel Hudson had his club option declined. Blake Trinan had his club option exercised. And Matt Barnes had his club option declined. A lot of these are veterans. I think the two notable names here are both on the Dodgers or one Mm -hmm. was and one will continue to be, and that's Joe Kelly and Blake Trinan. I think Daniel Hudson's pretty interesting as well, but he's getting up there in age. Who interests you the most, and do you think Blake Trinan can actually be a guy that helps out and save plus holds leagues this next year once he's healthy? Um, Trinan is it's 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 hard. I, I don't really have a lot of um, faith. I think we I don't know. We must have talked about it off the not on the show, but the fact that Trinan had kind of a an interesting clause in his contract where since he didn't pitch it all last year he had a what was a one million dollar team option which was a no-brainer easy yeah yeah so you're gonna bring him back for that and see what happens but i that being said i don't know what to expect i mean at his age it's like i mean we saw like daniel hudson couldn't make it back last year um yeah i i don't have too much too much hope or faith in training being productive and holds leagues let alone saves plus hold leagues um but yeah i mean obviously you know a name a big name that we should keep an eye on to see what he looks like in spring training because it's been a while since we've seen him pitched yeah and then what about joe kelly and daniel hudson do you think either of these guys could actually be somebody that's picked up as a high leverage option in free agency or do you think they'll both be sort of i i I feel like Joe Kelly is still got a lot left in his arm, but Daniel Hudson yep. may be nearing the end there. And I, I don't think the question is whether or not either of these guys could be a closer, but if they will actually be getting holds next year. Right. Yeah. I, I think for Hudson, it's going to probably, he'll probably get some, he'll probably get a major league contract. I'd imagine uh, probably low, low money though, like three or 4 million on a one year deal, something like that. And, um, you know, it, it's just the fact that it took him. He couldn't come back from it's been it was like 16 months from an ACL injury. That's definitely concerning. He did um, come back and then he tore it again. Is that what? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. His age coming. It's just it's it's, it's a hard ask. Um, yeah. Kelly he's no Mike Soroka. I, yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's still. I mean, Mike Soroka is still like twenty. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get yeah, there. Joe Kelly is definitely. I think going to have interest. Um, depends on where he goes. I, I don't know if he's someone who lands as like a depth a depth piece in a very deep, you know, already deep bullpen for on a contender, or if he ends up, you know, signing somewhere where he could, you know, get a chance to earn some saves and holds. Um, definitely teams would definitely be interested in his underlying metrics the and the fact he's still you know still averaging 99 miles per hour with his fastball so 
he'll um he'll probably get he'll get a contract where I think people will be a little surprised at how much money he makes. Definitely. And then the last round of options for relievers came on November 6th. Kirby Yates had his club option declined. Colin McHugh had his club option declined and Chad Green had his club option exercised. I think each of these guys are interesting in their own rights. Chad Green remaining on the Blue Jays could have some fantasy relevance, but likely not. He's still sort of working his way back from an extensive injury absence. And Kirby Yates, I think, was pretty good in a comeback year last year. And Colin McHugh always seems to be underrated in his ability to pitch multiple innings and have good strikeout minus walk rates. Do any of these guys intrigue you for fantasy next year, or are they just going to be guys at some point in the season that maybe you stream in a, in a deep holds league. Um, I'll say McHugh really fell off last year. Yates was, had a had a, had a stretch where he was really good, but not very reliable. I, I think green's definitely interesting just because he, he was, he wasn't great when he came back last year, but the stuff doesn't look like it fell off too much. And, you know, another year removed from Tommy John, uh, Perhaps this could be, you know, a season where we see the old Chad Green again. I think there's definitely openings to be a setup man in that in that bullpen. I, it's, it's a pretty decent bullpen, but I, I I I don't think there's anything keeping you know Green from taking over like Yimmy Garcia's role or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, a couple names to watch there, and also a bunch of new free agents due to those options Hmm. being declined uh, or in case of player options being exercised, but we can move on to waivers. We had a few notable waiver claims. Uh, A couple of them turned out to be non-tenders shortly after that is the case for both on Perdomo, who was claimed off waivers from the pirates by the Braves and Penn Murphy, who was claimed off waivers by the Mets by the, from the Mets by the Braves, the three, Relievers that remained with their teams were Jalen Beeks, who was claimed by the Rockies from the Rays. That's a pretty, pretty unfortunate transition to go Mm. from maybe the best place to pitch to the worst place to pitch. And then I think the more notable ones are Jeremiah Estrada, who was a top pitching, a a top relief pitching prospect for the Cubs, was claimed off waivers by the Padres. And then Tyler Alexander, Tyler Alexander, who had that one super interesting outing a couple years ago. I think that was in 2020. Uh, he has not been great for the Tigers the past couple of years, but he was claimed by the Rays, sort of replacing Jalen mm. Beeks. And I could see him filling that same role that Beeks had as a, a bulk reliever type guy over there. But I think it's any reliever going to Tampa Bay is pretty interesting. Mm. How do you feel about Jeremiah Estrada being claimed off waivers by the Padres? And do you think he could actually be a, a sneaky breakout next year? Yeah, I mean the stuff's always been there. Obviously, that's that's never been the issue. It's been you know a command thing, and I, you know, right now if you take a look at if you take a look at the the Padres bullpen, it is um, a lot of names you probably haven't heard of uh, projected to be in that bullpen. So yeah, there's certainly an opening here. Um, it just comes down to you know how he looks in spring training. Where is Scott Barlow on here? Did uh, did I we'll miss get something? There. You okay. did. Oh yeah. I mean, I yeah. Oh, I did miss that. Okay. Well. <laughs> anyway. Um. Yeah. It's you know Robert Suarez, and then who knows? So he could easily like find himself in a setup role yeah. early on in the season. 
Yeah, big strikeout guy. I think he his numbers sort of play uh, or his strikeout numbers sort of play above his his stuff. I mean, usually you think of guys with crazy strikeout rates throwing like 100 miles per hour. And while he does throw like 96, it's not going to blow you away. So he's definitely got some, I think, uh, deception and, and probably some vertical approach angle in that fastball. But yeah, you're right about the control issues. Last year, he walked 21% of the batters he faced in the... 10 Mm -hmm. innings in which he pitched in the majors. And that wasn't like something that just happened when he came up. He walked nearly 19% of batters at AAA last year as well, but you know, offsets that with a a 30% strikeout rate. So we'll see how he's able to transition in San Diego to throwing more strikes. And maybe that'll turn him into the reliever that many Cubs fans dreamed he might be in the past. Um, and then Tyler Alexander, I mean, do you have anything on him that maybe like, <laughs> do you have any insight into what maybe the the Rays saw when they went out and got him? Uh, well, he's, you know, a com- control lefty. You 44 ratings, only five walks last year. Uh, and you know, they lost beaks to Colorado. I mean, they, they could use another lefty potentially in that bullpen. Um, I'm sure they, He's a cutter guy. Let's see. That's kind of like in the Robert Stevenson mode. Maybe they're just going to be like, hey, just throw your cutter a little bit harder and uh, see what happens. I I mean, I, I could just the raise so I could see him, you know, having a, a huge breakout season or, you know, he might not make the team out of spring training. So uh, definitely just a name to keep an eye on. If, if the Rays add anyone new to their bullpen, it's worth seeing what type of adjustments are made. Um, especially, you know, spring training, you get to see what differences are, are there. So, um, keep an eye on them, but nothing really, nothing really actionable right now. Yeah, definitely not for fantasy. I I still could see him being interesting. It seems like a lot changed from prior years heading into 2023 and it wasn't really like a pitch usage usage thing. I think he just got better because Mm -hmm. his walk rate went way down. He was a guy who was, I, I think around like five, 6% for his career, five and a half percent, and then went down to 2.8% last year. And then also produced the highest strikeout rate of his career, leading to a strikeout minus walk rate of 21 and a half percent. That's a, that's pretty elite in, in that regard. And also if you look at his play, uh, pitcherless player page, not only do you have like the super low walk rate, but you have really great PLV numbers. His cutter was in the 75th percentile in terms of PLV, four seamer, 92nd percentile, change up 72nd percentile. And even the sinker, which he throws 11% of the time, 76th percentile. Um, it's like all of his pitches are, are above average. And so maybe there, there's something there, maybe a, uh, optimization of how he uses his pitches and when he throws them, I think could turn him into an elite arm, but we'll see. You you always got to trust the Rays with guys like this. Yeah, for sure. And then we can move over to our non tenders and we've got a lot of guys here. I think there's 32 of them that were relievers. Uh, So I will go through 10 at a time. We'll talk about the notable ones. We can start with the first 10, which includes Josh Stalmont, Andres Machado, who technically wasn't non-tenders. He he was released. Uh, We also had Michael Tonkin, the previously mentioned on Hell Perdomo and Penn Murphy. We had Wyatt Mills, Cody Hoyer, Brandon Mm. Hughes, Ethan Roberts, and Derek Law. There's a few notable names there that we have mentioned and talked about in the past. Who do you think stands out the most and who do you think is the most intriguing free agent? 
Um, yeah, I mean, there are a couple, like we talked about Perdomo and Murphy earlier, and I think there's both some intrigue in those two guys, despite the fact that they keep bouncing around teams. Um, you know, obviously Stallman was a big, you know, a big name not too long ago. I, I think if he gets in the right organization, potentially, um, there, there could be something there if, if he stays healthy as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, Cody, Cody Hoyer, that's an interesting, um, I don't know what his like arbitration set, uh, status is or how many options he has left, but he's got two more years of arbitration eligibility and two more options. That's an interesting one. Yeah. He really must have not have been, uh, I don't know. He must not have been pitching well coming back from Tommy John last year. I know he had a setback. Um, but that's you know that was one of the big pieces in that in that Kimbrel trade, him and Madrigal. Madrigal. So at least Madrigal's getting them something. Um, but yeah, Hoyer, Hoyer being gone this early is kind of a bummer. Uh, same with Brandon Hughes, another good guy we were touting as kind of a potential closer last year. Had some save chances to you know in 2022. So. Um, wonder how the Cubs are going to kind of build their bullpen now. It seems like they want to be aggressive, obviously, now with Council there. and um, So, yeah, I'd expect them to be big, big pl- uh, players in the free agent reliever market. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate them adding some more names to the free agent market for us yeah. to discuss. I, I, like you said, Cody Hoyer, I think high upside guy has dealt with uh, injuries over the past couple of years. We haven't seen him like, in a while, but when he did pitch, he was really good. That makes sense for like well, White Sox should just I mean why not if the the way that yeah. they're just taking flyers on like uh-huh. injured upside yeah I mean might as well take take him back yeah and then Brandon Hughes I feel like any lefty that is capable is going to get uh, a job and I'm not not really worried about him getting a job but I think he could be pretty highly coveted as long as he recovers from that knee right. injury he was dealing with because like you said he was pretty good in 2022 and was a closer candidate heading into this past year and. You know, as a lefty, that's good. <laughs> I think you mm. should have uh, plenty of options there. We can move on to our second group of 10 relievers that were non-tendered. Start off with Reaver San Martin, Tommy Doyle, Freddie Pacheco, Garrett Hill, Austin Cox, Jose Marte, JC Mejia, Giovanni Moran, Ronnie Henriquez, and Trevor Gott. Who stands out to you? Definitely Moran. Uh, that's a sh- bit of a shocker. I mean, yeah, I, I know I how bad I know how bad he was last season, but um, he still has another. He still has an option left. Um, he was really, you know, showed really good signs in twenty twenty two. Yeah, that seems a little early to give up on a lefty, especially it's not like the the Twins have a bunch of left handed bullpen options. Um, I'm sure they can. You know, they might go after. Their, a few in free agency, but it's really, it's, I mean, it's just teal bar. It's always kind of just been teal bar there. And, oh, they got cut. Yeah. Year fun- old. And Funderburk. Yeah. Funderburk yeah. kind of came on, but, um, it still would have been nice to have one more option, I feel. So, uh, he, he should definitely find a team and get some major league innings this year. I mean, Austin Cox, I see you highlighted him too, because he was an interesting, you know, kind of bounce between starter reliever last year, but I think there, there could be a pretty decent reliever there if um he can stick to that role and find kind of his 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 niche yeah it 
I think it's easy to forget how good Moran was in 2022. He had a 2.21 ERA, came with a 1.78 FIP. He struck out 33% of the batters he faced. And this is a lefty. We're talking about big strikeout lefty. And that was at the age of 25. And then this past year, 5-3 ERA across more innings. Uh, the strikeouts plummeted. The walks rose. It was not ideal, but I think he was dealing with an injury because he didn't start the year on the roster. Mm -hmm. And I still think he's dealing with a forearm injury. So maybe he's still not at hundred percent and won't be able to start the year next year. But this was a guy that I think was being considered as like a dark horse closer candidate for the twins heading into 2023 because of how well he pitched in 2022. I think any team that's willing to roll the dice on upside like that is a smart team and uh yeah it's crazy that the the twins gave up already but you know maybe the uncertainty there in a on a team that's looking to be competitive and sort of make the most out of all the money that they spend this offseason maybe the one million they spent on moran was something mm-hmm. that they felt could best be, be best spent elsewhere uh we'll move on to our last group of this time we got 12 just to wrap it up i didn't want to do another 10 and then two more um but we got jeff brigham sam coonrod lou trevino albert abreu anthony Masevich, hunter stratton tim hill joe espada jose cruz cole waits brett martin and adam simber i got a few highlighted trevino hill and simber but i feel like this is sort of like uh pick your pick your favorite choose your own adventure rick who stands out to you yeah, those are the three. I guess those are the three names that are, uh, you know, the most well known. Especially if if you're in holds leagues, deeper holds leagues. Um, none of them really are interesting to exciting. I mean, Tim Hill was pretty much a staple, but he was never. He was always a very, very average at best. Um, you know, stuff guy. Uh, but Chavino, I think, was is kind of interesting, but I feel like we knew that was going to happen, um, given what happened last year with them, and just the fact that the Yankees are going to upgrade there, and they already have, you know, better options who are not making the type of money Torino would make, and um, yeah, Simber is another one of those, you know, sidearm uh, righties who I'm sure will latch on with a team in a middle relief role, but hey, nothing really. I don't think he's going to have some sort of crazy breakout season or anything yeah great points on all of those pitchers that'll wrap up our non-tenders and before we talk about the trades and free agency signings or just the singular one there and before we talk about our free agency primer we've got a quick note from factor meals This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days, especially if you're attending my family Thanksgiving meal. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. Too busy with holiday plans to cook, but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Head to factormeals.com slash pen50 and use code pen50, P-E-N-5-0 to get 50% off. That's code pen50 at factormeals.com slash pen50 to get 50% off. 
And we're back. Jake Crumpler here with Rick Graham on In the Pen. Just to wrap up our transactions from the early part of the offseason, we'll start with the trades that were mostly kicked off due to the non-tender deadline coming up. These teams either had to, you know, trade these guys or, or risk non-tendering them and, and losing them in free agency. Uh, it's... Uh, it's a fun time of year because you get a lot of small names and because it's like the first trades of the off season, they feel so significant and yet little, mm-hmm. <laughs> very often they really aren't too significant. I think we got a three trades that were pretty notable and then the rest of them were pretty minor. The first one was Tampa Bay trading Michael Mercado to the Phillies for Adam Leverett. I, neither of those guys ring a ring a bell at all, uh, but they, are both relievers and they did get traded for each other. Have you ever heard of Michael Mercado or Adam Leverett? I have not. <laughs> All right. No, the so, Cubs, the yeah. Cubs traded Brendan little to the blue Jays. He was a former first round pick. Is that something that intrigues you at all? Uh, not really at this point, but again, the Cubs are just kind of getting rid of, you know, a bunch of bullpen arms. It's, Interesting. I want to, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how they, um, you know, supplement their their bullpen from here on out. Yeah, he was the twenty seventh overall pick in hmm. twenty seventeen, and has recently in twenty twenty one he transitioned to pitching out of the bullpen full time. He's a lefty as well. Had big strikeout numbers in twenty twenty one. Those have sort of dissipated, and he struggled with walks as well. So maybe the Blue Jays can help him figure something out there. Then we get to the big trade, and maybe one of maybe one of the biggest uh, transactions in general over this offseason <laughs> thus far. The White Sox traded Aaron Bummer to the Braves for everyone, <laughs> including Michael Soroka, Jared Schuster, Braden Shoemake, Nikki Lopez, and Riley Goins. Rick, where do you think Aaron Bummer lines up in this rotation in this bullpen? And do you think the Braves gave up too much? It see it's a hard one to say because I mean imagine this trade going down early last last season you'd be like what are the brave what are the Braves thinking here but um you know Schuster looked very pedestrian at the major league level last season Sirocco same I mean he didn't exactly bounce back um and, and that's that's you know that's fair it's for both of them you know Schuster's first you know rookie season and Sirocco coming back from a long injury absence. So, um, you know, shoe makes, I think mostly and same with Nicky Lopez. Those guys are probably more utility, you know, bench infielders. Um, so bummer going back to Atlanta on the other hand, won't, I don't think he's a setup man with, you know, I mean, AJ mentor still a better option as the lefty setup guy there. They brought back Jimenez. They signed Reynaldo Lopez. They brought back Pierce Johnson. They're doing everything they can to just, you know, a- attack their bullpen, which wasn't exactly an issue. It wasn't great last season. It could have been better, but it wasn't their biggest issue, I don't think. But I mean, they did lose, like, a lot of guys. They did, yeah. Um, but no one really significant. Um, they, they brought back the core pieces. Um, you know, y- Yates wasn't very reliable, and Nicky Anderson only gave them a couple months. So, Bummer is, you know, someone who I thought... <laughs> You look at the contract, he's got the team options, which are a huge plus. That's That definitely mm-hmm. helps boost his value. Um, they have control over that. And he was still, you know, 6.79 ERA is obviously terrible, but he still had a 29.2% K rate, 
60.1% ground ball rate. I mean, if, if you've never seen him pitch, he's a, a very he- a heavy sinker, cutter. You know, he'll get a ton of ground balls and throws from a very tough left-handed arm slot. Um, you know, Sweeper had a 44.8% whiff rate, 2.10 or 210 X Woba, which was, you know, he finished third amongst all relievers over the second half of the season with a 37% CSW rate. There's still some some stuff. There's still some intriguing, you know, metrics behind Bummer. I, I see why they made this trade because he's very different from Minter, or Minter is kind of a, you know, change up cutter, change up cutter guy. He can get lefties or righties out. Whereas Bummer is like your your, you know, your left hand, your left handed out guy, your old fashioned like loogie was the, what they called it, and mm-hmm. you know you can't really use that anymore. But he he's gonna have a. Uh, that that's going to be his role in that pen is when there's you know two two or more lefties coming up in the later in games he'll he'll certainly see a lot of work there. Yeah, I I think you make good points across the board. I think you're right to say that the Braves. It seems like they gave up a lot because they're giving up like former first round picks and Mike Soroka, who was really good and nearly won the Rookie of the Year award when he debuted. But most of these guys are pretty not great. I mean, Michael Soroka's had back-to-back ACL injuries and, you know, still working his way back to being a good pitcher again. And that's, that's sort of a coin flip. And then like Jared Schuster, pretty low floor. Brayden Shoemake has some power and speed, but seems mostly like a utility guy or like, I don't know, Nick Ahmed at the best. Nikki Lopez yeah. is like only glove and a little speed. And then Riley Goins is like a 23 year old who's only pitched at high A. Um, so I really don't think they gave up a lot. I think the floors on most of these players are really low. And Aaron Bummer, I, people will, like you said, look at his ERA from last year and be like, dang, why would they get somebody who's so bad without looking at the previous four years during which he pitched to a 2.59 ERA with a 27% strikeout rate. Mm-hmm. And while getting a ton of ground balls, 72% according to fan graphs, that's, a very, very elite left-handed pitcher. And like you said, the control might be the most appetizing part about Aaron Bummer. They'll have control over him over the next three years with club options in 2025 and 2026 at pretty Mm -hmm. cheap rates. So yeah, I I think it's a pretty, I think it's win-win for both of them, but I I would honestly like, I commend the, the Braves for having the, uh, the gall to be able to go through with this trade because you know you gave up a lot you know you're going to face some backlash but you get a guy that's really going to help out this team even if he's not the top left-handed it, option he's going to be great yeah it's more it's like giving up names than actual talent it's yeah. I, I think so i don't know where i saw it. someone mentioned it's like one of those like out of the park like trades yeah. where you just keep like adding player and the braves just kept adding random yeah. like names that they didn't really want on their 40-man roster like here take the and then the White Sox eventually just accepted it. And yeah, I think both teams did pretty well here. Yeah. And I mean, you don't even have to write off the 6.79 ERA from last year. He did. He had a 3.51 XFIP. So it's like last year wasn't yeah. a bad year. It was just really unlucky. The walk rate was super high, but I think the Braves should be able to get him back to his former glory days. The next trade we saw also involved the Braves and we saw Jackson Coar traded from the Royals to the Braves for Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright going to the Royals. A little bit interesting. He won't pitch next year, but Coar's 
I, honestly very interesting. He's been a guy that has been unable to figure out command at basically any level since 2021. He was a former first round pick, 33rd overall in 2018, and he has not had any success in the majors. Nine ERA across three different stints the past three seasons and hasn't had much success in the minors since having success early on prior to the pandemic. But he clearly has some abilities left in his arm. He throws very hard, 97 miles per hour on his heater. He's got a great changeup. He's got a lot of potential, and I think this is a smart trade for the Braves to sort of capitalize on Kyle Wright's trade uh the, yeah being being a former 20 game winner he, he's gonna have a lot of trade value and uh be, before teams forgot about that they at least got something out of him and i think Kowar could be interesting if he is pitching out of their bullpen yeah i think that's where he should be i think that's where he should um should, they should work on him being you know a multi-inning reliever potentially the good thing with him is he's, he still has at least one more option, so you don't have to, you're not forced to, to, you know, have him on the major league roster right away. You can go work on some things at AAA again. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, just stick as a reliever because yeah, there is some. I mean, he's he can get up to the upper nineties. His slider and changeup have shown at times some some you know upside. So, um, the it's definitely a name to stash away in like dynasty holds leagues because especially next year he's going to have you know starting pitcher eligibility as well which is usually a boost so um a name to keep an eye on on deeper deeper leagues like that and we also saw another deep name traded as the mariners traded isaiah campbell to the red sox I'll let you handle this one, but he did have a 2.83 ERA last year for Seattle and a 2.63 ERA at double A and will just be 26 years old in 2024. Yeah, I uh, I like this. I like this move overall. Um, I just left him out of my top uh, 100 holds list when it back in October because there's there are some intriguing, uh, you know, some intriguing metrics from last season and. You know, he when he was in Seattle, I always you know Seattle does a great job of relievers, so that was always a plus. But um, interesting slider fastball combo. Uh, we'll see what type of role he. I mean, right now the Red Sox bullpen is probably going to be too deep for him to start their opening day. But um, uh, it's a, it's an interesting move for sure, and I I know the Red Sox weren't looking to pay uh, Urias that you know, six point, whatever million he's due in arbitration. Yeah. And that, uh, leads us to a trade that we hinted at before as the Padres traded Scott Barlow to the guardians for Aniel de los Santos. This one is an example of a team trading a better reliever for one with more control. Um, so it's definitely like a win-win on both sides. Do you think Scott Barlow can actually be a holds option for the Guardians? I mean, they have a pretty deep bullpen there. And do you think Eniel De Los Santos has some untapped potential I, that we're not seeing? I don't. I'm trying to wrap my head around why Cleveland did this. Um, just like knowing how they're, you know, always trying to cut costs and save. Yeah. Money. I mean, what what they're so they're gonna pay Barlow? Who's is he that much of an upgrade over? De Los Santos. I mean, I don't know. De Los Santos fell off a lot last year he, he after did. being really good in 2022. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little upgrade in Barlow, but it's not, I don't know, from the money aspect of it. Um, it's I kind mean, of, there's also the aspect that I think De Los Santos is hitting arbitration eligibility in 2024. So he was on like the minimum deal the previous two and a half years that he was with or two years that he was with the team. And now he'll be getting, I don't know, a million dollars. And yeah, what is Barlow making? Bar- Barlow made, made fi- five last year. <laughs> yeah. He made 5.3 last year. He's probably going to make like what? Eight to 10 this year. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just like they can let go of him after this year and sort of like, I don't know. It's like it lines up with how their payroll works out that 2024 is when they can uh, afford to pay somebody six or $7 million. But then, right. Like um, De Los Santos won't really fit into that the following years. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting it one. Weird. I, I, I so Barlow's projected to make seven point one million this year. Um, wow. So yeah, I mean, it's not like you know they're always looking at to their bullpen, but it's not it's not the need. That's not the area of concern for this team. It's you know depth in their rotation, and obviously their lineup could use some help, but um. Yeah, Barlow. I mean, he's definitely not going to close anymore. That's uh, that's out the window. Uh, it opens things up for Robert Suarez as well in San Diego. So, um, depending on what again, what the Padres are really, what their real plan is, if they really do try to shed some salary, then that bullpen might not get any any better than it looks right now. Which means, yeah, Suarez is going to be closing out games and definitely a very interesting pick in the later, you know, the 200 range when you're starting to try to find your, you know, second or third closer. Um, Barlow just, yeah, limited to holds behind Hentius and Stefan and yeah, he'll be fighting it out for holds there. Yeah. I I think it's, I don't know. Barlow was definitely better last year than I think a lot of people's perception was because of that. sure five and a half ERA with Kansas city. He did get it down to 3.07 with the Padres and the, the strikeouts were there. And I, it was just like, he was walking too many batters, but he, he brought that below 10% when he went to San Diego. So I, I still think Scott Barlow's pretty good, but the fantasy perception of a guy like him is always too high because he just gets a lot of saves and is, you know, mm-hmm. a, an above average reliever. But, you know, as a holds guide, I, I'm not super interested in him, especially in a bullpen like no. Cleveland for a team that, you know, has a reputation for having good pitching development, but it's not really in the major leagues. It's mostly in the minors. Right, right. So that's one of the final trades. The last two, we had the Braves trade Nick Anderson to the Royals for cash considerations. My favorite player growing up and <laughs> the Rays <laughs> trading Calvin Fauche and Vidal Brujan to the Marlins for Andrew Lindsay and Eric Lara. I doubt you have much to say about Fauche, but how do you think Nick Anderson lines up in Kansas City? Is this just like the 2024 version of the Araldis Chapman signing? <laughs> no, uh, Chapman's a lot. I mean, a lot better. I, I don't know if what the. I mean, I just mean like they can trade him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, perhaps that's what they're they're hoping they're hoping to get him you know, healthy for the start of the year and then able to trade him in July. I think that would be the ideal play for them. I just don't know. Um, the st- amount of injuries he's been battling, you know, his age, I don't, I don't know what, what, what much is left in Nick Anderson. Um, but it's for, for a team like the, the Royals. I mean, yeah, sure. It's, it's worth taking a chance on the upside here when, you know, it's crazy you how old he's gotten. Yeah. And he's still, you know, arbitration eligible and, <laughs> 
um, is he hasn't pitched much. He really has not pitched yeah. that much in his career. 122 it's, innings across yeah, five seasons, yeah. four of which he appeared in. So yeah, worth worth taking a a flyer if you're the Rays. I don't I, so no risk move for them. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Why, why do you think the Marlins were interested in Fauche? Uh, well, he's right-handed. Uh, I guess it could help potentially. He had a seven ERA. I, I, yeah, I know, and I, I don't know. It, it's more that might just be some sort of minor league depth move. I don't sure. Um, see him being much of a contributor at the major league level. I hope they add, you know, in free agency, uh, some right-handed depth in the bullpen. They'll have Bender coming back next year too, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he can, he can bounce back. Yeah. And then speaking of free agency, Ronaldo Lopez was signed by the Braves. They've been the big mover so far this off season. Uh, they sort of usually operate like this where they just get all their work done early. They're not procrastinators when it comes to making transactions in the off season. They went ahead and signed Reynaldo Lopez to a three year, $30 million deal that can max out at $34 million. Should they exercise the $8 million club option for 2027 comes with a $4 million buyout and factors into that $30 million total for the three years. And the craziest part about this is they will be attempting to stretch him out and possibly use him in the rotation. I think this likely means he ends up being a long reliever or a multi-inning reliever for the first half of the season. And the second half of the season, he's a high leverage guy, but I don't know. They, yeah. There's a lot to discuss here. Uh, let's hear your thoughts. I don't, I don't, I mean, they're saying that I think a lot of teams say that I just don't, the contract screams kind of a reliever. It's, it's still, it's actually similar to, you know, what Nick Martinez, I feel like was kind of sure similar in that vein, but I, I don't see him fitting into the rotation. Um, yeah, probably like you said, starts out as a long, a long reliever. Um, but he's too good. I feel like it's like a waste. It's like I mean, I I don't know. I guess if you're getting good relief innings from him anywhere you can, you take it. But yeah, he's he's you know he's too good to kind of just waste as a you know mop up guy or long reliever early earlier in games. I I, I think his role will change. Yeah, I mean, you rarely see the successful transition from somebody being a bad starter to a good reliever back to a good starter. Like we saw that with Seth Lugo last year, and that's, I mean, there's very few examples of that working out successfully. And I do think that the Braves will likely have enough rotation depth um, to be able to not use him in the rotation, but it is weird to to see that happen. Maybe it was something that Reynaldo wanted to do. Could be. And the Braves were willing to uh, incorporate him into their rotation like that, but I, yeah, I, I doubt this works out, and I'm sure there will be enough injuries in the in the bullpen that he'll end up being, you know, like the seventh inning guy by August. But definitely an interesting guy and one of the bigger names off the board, and that you know leads right into our free agency primer. And before we talk about that, we're going to take our second break of the podcast. And we're back. Jake Crumpler here with Rick Graham. You got a tongue twister name, my friend. Um, is, it, is it that hard? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, it's it's cold and I'm sick. And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, but we've got the free agency primer. We're going to prime your free agents and get you ready for the offseason. 
we, we've got some big names, uh, both on the right-handed and left-handed side, and then we got a bunch of bulk names, which uh, I will go over quickly, but we'll spend more time on the bigger names. I think it's important first to note which teams have closer openings. I know you have this after the free agents, but I think, you know, for the listeners' sakes, we sort of give them an idea, an idea of which teams might be looking for a closer uh, yeah. just so that they can sort of put the pieces together as we go through these free agents. But the closer openings seem to be in Baltimore where they've got Yenier Cano there and Felix Bautista is going to be out all season with Tommy John surgery. The White Sox are sort of up in the air. They have a young guy in Gregory Santos, but he's not somebody that is really going to be stopping a, a big name free agent from coming in and taking over or even a, a mid mid range free agent. The Tigers are sort of in the same boat. boat. They have Alex Lang, who's been pretty good and was nearly an all-star this past year. I thought he should have been in there over Michael Lorenzen, but that's a conversation for another day. So the, the Tigers uh-huh. could use an upgrade there. The Royals are I mean their their bullpen is uh, in shambles right now. They just they've got a lot of uh upside guys and that's about it. The A's are have nobody on their team at all. <laughs> and yep, they are dead to me. The uh-huh. Rangers are so, sort of a question mark as well. We talked about Jose Leclerc returning there, but they could definitely use an upgrade. That's basically the only part of their team that needs upgrading. The mm. Nationals have both Cal Finnegan and Hunter Harvey, neither of whom are really blowing anybody out of the water and shouldn't keep the team from upgrading there. The Cubs are a question mark as well. They have Adbert Alzali, but he was dealing with forearm issues at the end of the last year, and you never really know there. This is a team that seems to be wanting to spend this offseason, and that's mm. an area where they could improve. The Rockies... Uh, are out of the Daniel Bard era, so they sort of could use anybody there. I'm sure they'll, I don't know, sign Mark Melanson or something. <laughs> uh, and then the Padres just lost Josh Hader to free agency what? and are rocking Robert Suarez right now as the closer, so they could definitely use an upgrade. Um, the, but the, those, the those are, are the big ones. The Rockies aren't out of the Daniel Bard era just yet. Just uh, Well, yeah, I mean, as the closer. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, you never know. Uh, <laughs> you're but, right. You're right. Yeah, are there any teams that, any, I yeah, out of those teams is there anything any other teams that kind of come to mind because i was there was a couple other names that i was like maybe but like i I don't know if there's anyone else any other teams that have a closer opening or could could go after a a guy like hater or um you know haters really the only closer on on the market right now yeah that seems like a a pretty comprehensive list i i think the phillies could do something after losing kimbrel they do have some good relievers so they don't really need to but i could see them getting a righty if they feel more comfortable about a righty in the closer role but other than that everybody's got a pretty solid closer in place uh, amongst the teams that we haven't yet discussed um so yeah i I think that's a, a pretty good list but I think that allows us to jump right into the free agent relievers. And we'll start off with the right-handers. We'll go three at a time since we're going with the big name ones first. We got Robert Stevenson, Jordan Hicks, and Joe Kelly. Robert Stevenson, best reliever in baseball in the second half. Mm -hmm. This is Rick's favorite player of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he could close somewhere or do you think this is a guy that's just going to be like the best setup man? Well, that's the thing is he so of those teams that we listed i think baltimore is looking for more of a shop like a, a stopgap option um short term but batista returning in 
2025 but i i stevenson maybe actually could make some sense there if he like closes this year and transitions back to a setup role next year maybe um but the other teams it's like you know the white Sox aren't spending money detroit's not kansas city's maybe detroit does but i doubt it kansas city oakland texas 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 is an interesting one but i think they're really gonna go after hater i think they want I don't know. I mean, if they're gonna, they could use a lefty. I guess someone from the left side would make more sense. But even still, Stevenson would be an upgrade there. Um, maybe Chicago, um, but Colorado's not going to sign him. He's not going back there. And uh, I don't think San Diego would also. They wouldn't pony up the money for him as well. So yeah, it's going to be hard for him to be, be a closer somewhere unless it's Texas or yeah. I just feel like a. a- <laughs> a team should really take the shot on him being a closer because uh, he's going to be cheaper than somebody like Josh Hader or sure, I mean, yeah. even I, I think more so than Jordan Hicks, just because he's, he's 31, you know, he's not really a super well-known name. He's only really pitched at this level for half a season. And I, I think this is a guy that could come in and be the best reliever on a team. And the team might be getting a discount employing him as their closer as well. So I, I think whoever does go and get in, should be a team that has an open closer role and really needs one because they could really be saving some pennies there. But uh, there is the thing with relievers is that with free agency, every single team could use an upgrade in the bullpen, no matter how good your bullpen is. So even at the, at the top end, you know, you're just moving guys down the ladder. So uh, Robert Stevenson definitely fits with every team, but exactly. Is he your Top, I mean, I think Josh Hader is clearly the top name off the board. You have him as the second guy. Do you think he is the 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 clear de facto number two option available this offseason? Stevenson, yeah. Um, I think so. I'd take him over Hicks or Chapman or, yeah, anyone else on this list. Um, I think he's, he's the number two guy. I don't know if he gets paid the second most, uh, but it'll be interesting to see. There hasn't been any rumors circulating about him yet um it's but again like you said i mean every team should be in or should be checking in just to see what the market is for him and what the value is because he any any team could use him that's right and then jordan hicks is a super high upside guy a guy that finally figured out how to throw some strikes this past season throws harder than anyone in baseball is just 27 years old i doubt he's going to be signed as a closer but This is a guy that, like I said before, fits with every team, but could Mm -hmm. actually be a closer. And I think more so fits with those younger uh, rebuilding teams like the the White Sox, the Tigers, the Royals, and the A's, and I guess the Rockies as well. Nationals also. So I I think obviously fits with contenders, but with the age that he's at and with the potential that he's shown, this is like a future best closer in baseball type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he just needs to command it the best. And at 27 years old, he could really fit well with uh, a team that's looking to contend in a couple of years. Yeah. I wonder like if a team like Kansas city would be willing to spend the, the, that type of money to what to, to, to bring him in and, you know, make a commitment like, Hey, like we're trying, we're on the up, we're trying to compete. We, we, we have, you know, 
we have a couple pieces here. We're close to committing uh, to competing. So like, you know, come in and, you know, be our closer. Um, and because they're not going to spend a ton of money on a, on a, on a free agent starter right now, they're not, they're not there yet, but maybe, you know, they start with a, with a closer like Hex who still young and has, has some more upside in them. Um, but again, I could also see him, you know, Chicago makes some sense too, potentially. Um, maybe even San Diego, depending on what their plans are. I don't, Again, I, it's it's weird trying to project. Pro- oh, and then and, and they just hired Schilt too, so he's got some experience with Hicks as well. So sure. there there could be a fit there in San Diego. Yeah, um, and then Joe Kelly. I mean, we sort of already talked about him. He, he's a, a known commodity. He's uh, wild tempered, wild stuff, um, but he throws the ball really hard and has a great curveball. I think he's not going to be. A uh, guy that ends up being a closer anywhere, but I think Phil Maton actually does have the chance of doing that because he has been really good in the past as more of an underrated guy pitching like the the sixth inning for the Astros. He was a guy used early on in a deep bullpen, but I think this is a guy that at just 31 years old and with the track record that he has, this is... For me, he fits the mold of somebody that signs with one of these rebuilding clubs mm. as a closer and then really like brings his value super high to either get traded at the deadline or to hit free agency again and then get a bigger deal. Maybe that's just like hypothetical thinking and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, pumping up Maton too much and he ends up just being like a, a, a sixth or seventh inning guy for a contender. But what do you think about that? Like Maton being a, a closer for a rebuilding team? Yeah, I, that that could make some sense because um, he's the one guy kind of in this group, in this tier that doesn't have like any closing experience or uh, at all. So maybe he would be willing to take a you know oh, some sort of one year short term deal with a Kansas City or you know Chicago uh, White Sox team where he can close for you know a half, go get traded to a contender then get paid next year. I, I, that, that could definitely be a possibility, but I could also see a team, any one of these teams that think that they have a chance in, in October, just, you know, giving him a lucrative three, four year deal, just to be a seventh inning guy. At, um, you know, the way Ray, Reynaldo Lopez got paid, you know, 10 million a year. It's not a bad time to be a middle reliever right now. That's right. Then we have a group of like five old guys of at least 35 years old. We got Craig Kimbrell, who's 36, Hector Neris, 35, Ryan Brazier, 36, David Robertson, 39, and Adam Adovino at 38. I I don't know. I, I could see Kimbrell still closing again just because he's one of the best closers of all time. And Hector Neris had a really great year last year. And like we talked about earlier in the podcast, it really depends on what he prioritizes, whether he wants to close or whether he wants to get the most money or, or pitch uh-huh. for a contender. Who who interests you most out of these guys? Like if you were a, a team, who would you be looking to, to sign? It, keeping in mind, the guy's likely to have the higher price. I so I think between Kimbrell, Naris, and Robertson, one of those guys. I just the way that you know what we've heard so far. One of those three end up in Baltimore as their closer. Um, yeah, the way that they they said they want a veteran who's got closer experience. Um, if I were them, I think I mean I think I might prefer Naris, but he might. You might have to give Naris a multi-year deal, whereas Kimbrel yeah. and Robertson, you no, could I probably. I think he's definitely going to want a multi-year yeah, deal. That's why I, he opted out. 
I so that's why I, I think Kimbrel Robertson you can you can go for one year deal. Um, so that makes things a little bit trickier. But even I mean, uh, if Naris again, like there's there's no reason you can't give Naris two years and you know have him be a top setup man next year for Batista or you know we don't know how Batista is going to return from from you know surgery so it's it's not the worst fallback option to to have him for two years I I think I would try to go the narrow route if I were them what about Ryan Brazier he had a 0.70 ERA across 38 and two-thirds innings with the Dodgers last year after being traded um I don't think he, he doesn't have closer experience so i think that kind of takes him away from baltimore based off what they've been saying but oh, i mean they yeah, like what if like if you're like oakland like hey here's here's six million dollars come close for us this year and then trade him for something good at the deadline i don't know maybe um i i feel like the better option for brazier could be you know finding a a role with like you know tampa bay or some sort of contender uh, where he could work in a middle relief role, but they're definitely had to come back. You know, once he left the Red Sox, he finally got things under control in, in LA. And um, wonder if it makes sense for him to stay there. I don't. I, I think that could be that could make sense a reunion there. Yeah, and then I think possibly the most interesting name this offseason in terms of relievers, we have Yariel Rodriguez, who defect. Did from Cuba recently. He's been pitching in Japan. We just saw him in the WBC, and now he's going to be a free agent. He was posted by his team, and he has been really, really good the past couple of years. He didn't pitch in 2023. Uh, not knowledgeable enough to be able to speak on that but in 2022 1.15 era he he was not a closer but he was a, an incredible setup man it came with 60 strikeouts across 54 innings and the previous year in 2021 he had a 2.95 era struck out 101 guys in 94 innings this is a guy that i think should be pretty interesting uh, from what I've seen and in, in videos and stuff, I think he's got some pretty decent stuff. He is only 27 as well. I I'm pretty intrigued by Yariel Rodriguez and to see what uh, a major league coaching staff could turn him into. Yeah. I don't know what his role will be. That's I think the, where it comes down to where he lands and what um, type of money he gets. Cause you know, I've seen he, he could receive some sort of multi-year deal, and you know, in the forty to seventy million dollar range, which seems high for a guy who didn't pitch last year and has only pitched in, um, you know, Cuba and Japan. But he he is, you know, on the younger side. He's only twenty six, so um, I think he probably would be, you know, similar to. You know, I think the team would be looking at him as a starter first, but maybe he, um, you know, ends up as a high leverage reliever based on his, you know, big fastball. Yeah, so I think this is a guy that could fit on any team right now, and I think he'll be uh, uh, one of those guys we're really interested to see once it comes to spring training, see what he's bringing to the table. Those are the biggest relief pitcher names from the right-handed side. I will not read the like 40 names that we have listed just to spare the listeners. Um, if you'd like to look up the top free agents, uh, they're all over the internet and they will be signing throughout the off season. But Rick, is there anybody that stands out left on this list? Um, I, I know Emilio Pagan was in the 
top mm. portion of the list and we didn't really get to him but there are there are some other names that i find interesting your cursor is currently next to shintaro fujinami and that's who i was gonna say <laughs> as well and uh even liam Hendricks is is there as well but he's getting tommy john surgery brent honeywell jr is only 29 denelson lamette has had flashes jorge lopez similarly and uh even alex reyes is there so uh, who, who stands out for you amongst the rest of the the bulk of relief pitchers yeah i think uh, pagan pitched really well last season i he'll definitely earn a major league contract um probably not as a closer but you know again like looking at some of these teams that need closers it's oakland's not going to spend a lot of money on a guy and but they're going to have to add somebody, right? I mean, they're going to have to bring in some sort of veteran. It's not going to be one of the top guys. So maybe it's like a Pagan. Um, I had, I, I, already I had Pagan. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a while ago, no? We don't uh, want him back. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, did we talk about Adam Adovino is also, you know. He's, he's in there. That, yeah, he's in that he's older group. Yep. Um, probably not a closer again, but um interesting setup option uh the rest of that list yeah i know you fujinami what do you what do you have on on him because it's there was flashes for sure but the this consistency just wasn't wasn't there yeah i mean it's it's just all about throwing strikes with him i I think you know there should be plenty of teams that are willing to roll the dice on him because his stuff is incredible and if he is able to throw strikes we even saw like like you said there were flashes last year where he was able to throw strikes and he was super dominant during that time he might be one of the highest upside names left on this on this board um, that we haven't yet talked about i think up there with alex reyes who has shown similar flashes when he is able to stay healthy and throw strikes and then obviously liam Hendricks is there but he's 35 and coming off cancer and tommy john surgery um so i i think fujinami and reyes are some of the most intriguing ones to me just because they have such high ceilings even if their floors are super low you don't have to pay that much for them because they didn't do much last year or the previous years before that mostly in reyes's case but yeah i mean i'll throw five million dollars at fujinami and see if i can get an incredible reliever out of him yeah that's fair i i think that that could be another name for like yeah kansas city maybe interesting um yeah fit for him and then from the left-handed side i think we've got equally big names we'll start off with josh Hader, who's probably the premier free agent relief pitcher on the market coming off an incredible season that likely has him in the running for reliever of the year have they and they must have announced reliever of the year right um that's a great <laughs> question i saw the nominees um I am looking it up. That's crazy that I didn't hear. No, I don't, I don't see think they announced yeah. it. No, That's they crazy. What <laughs> they they like did? Uh, they did all the major MVP, awards and, and silver like, slugger yeah. and gold glove, and then they were just like, "Oh shoot, did we really? ever do really? <laughs> oh no!" All right. Um, yeah, I, uh, it's it's going to be between him and Devin Williams. So Josh Hader, one of the right. best relievers in baseball, he's available. He's thirty years old. He's been a proven closer for a long time. Has had really just one hiccup across the past or across his entire career. And uh, while he is a controversial character, I think he's a really really good closer he's likely going to be the most coveted one. Uh, I I don't think there's really much to discuss on like what kind of pitcher he is, what kind of teams are going to be looking for him. Obviously it's going to be the big spenders that are contending because I think he wants to, to 
be on a winning club and likely go to the team that gives him the most money. So I'll just give you the floor to make a prediction mm-hmm. for where he un- ends up. The number of dollars he gets no. on the penny. No, no, no. Yeah, where he ends up. I will say, I will say Texas. I think they're going to be aggressive. Um, they're probably, you know, if they lose Jordan Montgomery, I think you know, I don't know where else they add to their rotation. There's not a, it's not the, you know, maybe they take a run at Eduardo Rodriguez, but I, I think they're going to add to the bullpen. And why not make a splash and hater? Um, I know Philly's been linked to him, which is interesting too. But I think that's more of hater being interested in Philly than the Philly sure. being interested in him. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think hater ends up in either Texas or Chicago with the Cubs. I, I think those are the two teams that are the biggest yeah. options I was for gonna- him. I was going to say Chicago as well, just because he's got that familiarity with Craig Council there as the new manager in Chicago. And that bullpen, while it does have some interesting options in the back end with Alzelay and Julian Merriweather, the rest of the bullpen is not great. And I think adding a guy like Hayter to lock down the late innings allows the takes pressure off of the rest of that bullpen and and makes it deeper Mm -hmm. on account of him being there. But yeah, I think Josh Hader is probably going to have a few suitors and he's going to get close to a hundred million dollars. So that should be uh, a fun, interesting one to watch. And I doubt his fantasy relevance changes at all, depending on where he signs. (laughs) I don't know. There are, there were people saying like, Oh, what if he signs with the Mets? And then he like platoons with Edwin Diaz. That would just be terrible. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, that's like, that's up to him to be, to be honest. I, I think if the, the Mets were like, we'll give you $150 million, mm-hmm. but you're not going to be the closer. Uh, he might do it, but you never know. Another big left-handed reliever, Araldis Chapman bounced back big time last year, but he also carries a lot of baggage, maybe uh, definitely more so than hater, not a fan favorite in any part of the country, but the results are hard to deny. He has, Pitched very well. He won the World Series last year. Still throws super hard. Figured out his control and his velocity last year. I I don't know. It, it's like it, it's hard to figure out which team he wants he would go to or which teams right. would be interested in him because of the baggage that he carries. Yeah, this uh, I think he especially at his age, um, looking at a short term deal. So I think he's uh, he's an option for anyone who's willing to take on the. The baggage and the risk, yeah. I, I um, you know, it worked out last year for him going to Kansas City. Not that he, you know, had many options, but you know, going there and then, you know, ending up in Texas for the final half of the year and winning a World Series. I wonder if he would be open to doing something similar where he gets a chance to close somewhere. Um, you know, it's another would. Baltimore be willing to take a chance on him um, could be an interesting Ugh. I know it's like ruins a fun team but like it's just send him back to the Royals <laughs> yeah I mean I mean honestly like uh, he did I remember when uh, the Yankees had him then traded him to Chicago and they signed the Yankees signed him back it's it's yeah uh, not to a huge deal but like the can't like the Royals if they were to do that but I mean he could just be a mercenary kind of where he ends up you know, picking what contender he wants to go to at the deadline. I I don't know. Um, it's it's he it could really go any anywhere with him, uh, depending on what he wants at this point. The contender, money, 
role. Yeah. It's it's gonna it's gonna come down to that. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's sort of like a game of Battleship where it's like you do not want him to land on your team. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Um, but we'll see. Um, it's, it's more of an interesting one to watch than a fun one to watch, but I think a really fun one to watch will be Yuki Matsui. Who's coming over from the NPB as well. He has been really good. He's a left-hander as well as we're talking about left-handers only 2021 0.63 ERA in 43 innings. He had 59 strikeouts, 2022 1.92, 1.92 ERA in 51 and two thirds innings with 83 strikeouts. And in 2023, 1.57 ERA across 57 and a third with 72 strikeouts and really low whips as well. He is not walking a lot of guys. That's a 72 to 13 strikeout to walk ratio last year. Sub two ERAs for three consecutive years. Um, even in, in 2019, he he had a sub two ERA as well. He had 38 saves that year. Uh, the saves over the past three years, 24, 32, and 39 in 2023. One of the best relievers in NPB coming over to MLB. Do you think he could be a closer? Yeah, I don't doubt that he can be. Uh, again, it's just going to come down to where he lands. I, you know, I don't know enough. Unfortunately, I don't know enough about the. Guys like Matt, like Matsui or even you know Yariel Rodriguez, um, uh-huh. and what like how how do teams view him? I, I know Matsui's kind of been linked to the Cubs. Is another you know the Cubs? I'm sure are going to look for a left-handed reliever, and perhaps again that could still be a place for him to uh, end up in a closer role. So, um, yeah, it depends. Again, yeah, I, I think based off his numbers and. Japan, he certainly sounds like someone who has closer stuff, and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he lands up, and you can, you know, what type of contract he ends up with, because that usually can be pretty telling to what, you know, how the team views him and what his role could be. Yeah, I have seen him linked to the Cardinals in some reports. Um, but yeah, he seems to be a really high upside guy and I think any team could use a a really good left-handed reliever and I'm excited to see what he looks like pitching stateside, um, but clearly has that closer potential. The rest of the top left-handed relief options are once again, old guys, Jake Diekman, 37 years old, Matt Moore, 35, Will Smith, 34, Andrew Chafin, 34 and Brad hand 34, all of which are guys that have had success in the past. Matt Moore and Jake Diekman more recently. Will Smith in the first half of last year. And then uh, Chafin and Brad Hand. Uh, I don't know. You, you never really know with those guys. But lefties will play on any team, like I said. Yeah. But, you know, whoever gets Will Smith is guaranteed to win the World <laughs> Series, as we've seen the past three years. Who intrigues you the most of these guys? And uh, who might be able to be the closer for the Oakland A's? Um. First of all, I just looked up Matsui real quick. He's five eight, one hundred and sixty seven pounds. That is so small for for a pitcher, but um, it's very that interesting. Really, that seems wrong. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely interesting. That's like how big <laughs> I was in middle school. <laughs> that's uh, that's a little tiny for. But I mean, as a closer, I it, I guess it's not like being a starter where you have to hold up over a hundred pitches. Um. Uh, yeah. Anyway, going back to the veteran lefties who it's I mean almost like picking a name out of a hat at this point I mean I like Schaefer the most going into last year but he really struggled and Will Smith was good in the beginning of the season uh you know Jake Diekman had the probably the best second half of this group but 
was that just the Rays doing Rays things? Like, is he able to? Will he be able to continue that success wherever he ends up next season? Um, yeah, I, I think really for this group, it comes down to landing spot and role. Um, whoever has the best one. But if I had to, you know, I still th- I don't think Shafin. I I don't know what was going on with Shafin last year, but I would think I think if I had to take a shot on any one of these guys, I would take a, sh- a chance on, on Shafin having a you know being able to bounce back next year because. He he was um, one of the best lefties, I think, one of the most underrated lefties as a reliever in, in all of baseball. And he started off okay in Arizona, but then yeah, you know, the second half there, and then leaving. And then once he ended up in Milwaukee, it just went downhill real fast for him. So I wonder, maybe you know, if he lands in a better spot next year, it could he could have a big bounce back. Yeah, so lots of uh, veteran names there amongst the Southpaws. And then to round out our free agency primer, we've got a few more lefties there. I think the upside is a lot lower than amongst the you know bulk of guys on the right-handed pitching side. Is there anybody that stands out for you? I mean, for me, it's like, uh, nobody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, there's not really anybody so- great. Suter is very reliable, sure. um, but you, you you're not. I don't want him in that you know high leverage spot necessarily. Uh, you know, Amir Garrett was interesting at one point, but it's it's just not there anymore. Is Drew Pomeranz ever going to pitch again? Um, <laughs> he has. It's been so long, but yeah. I mean, if he gets like a spring training invite and all of a sudden he's like mid nineties, it's like oh okay, take note of that because you know. The last time he was healthy, he was one of the best left-handed, maybe the best left-handed non-closer in baseball. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, uh, that's about all of the relievers in free agency and all the transactions from the past couple of weeks. If you have any questions about any of these relievers specifically or relief pitcher questions in general, feel free to reach out to the pod on Twitter at in the pen pod or reach out to me on Twitter at Jake Crumpler or Rick. At I am Rick Graham. Rick, feel free to plug anything else uh, that you're working on. I know it's a uh, early off season, so we're sort of you know taking our breaks and getting getting back into things. Yeah, nothing, nothing cooking right now. Um, just kind of you know getting ready for the holidays and all that. But you can find me at Twitter at I am Rick Graham. Um, hopefully, yeah, I'll be trying to stay up to date with all these reliever moves and. You know, make sure that I'm, you know, retweeting or, you know, talking about all these moves as they happen in real time. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I am also putting out an article at some point soon this this week, hopefully, um, and then have my personal co- podcast, Free Baseball, coming out about every week. Um, you can find all of that on my Twitter at Jake Crumpler or on my website, crumplerbaseball.com. But that's going to do it for the 62nd episode of In the Pen. We'll talk to you all in a couple of weeks. 